Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where inspiring stories are brought to life. This podcast is made possible by Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. I'm your host, Dr. Drew Flam. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today on the podcast, we are honored to be speaking with Josh Hanlon, a 2017 Grace grad. Josh founded Beyond the Brick in 2011 as an audio-only podcast about my kids' favorite subject, Legos. He and his brother John, a 2015 Grace grad, have since established a YouTube channel, Facebook channel, it's everywhere, um, that has thousands of videos. Beyond the Brick now travels the world to showcase talented Lego builders and their incredible creations. With 300 million views and more than 750,000 subscribers on YouTube and 2 million plus on Facebook, Josh and John's videos are watched by Lego fans in every country on the planet, and they have traveled to every continent on the planet. So, uh, Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here, and that, that's a great introduction. Thank you for that. It makes it makes it sound very exciting. <laughs> it, 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 well, it is exciting. I mean, uh, I was just uh, checking out stuff over the weekend, and you just did like a twenty four hour like Lego things. So to give me a quick, what was that all about? So every year we do a twenty four hour live stream to support a fantastic charity called Creations for Charity, and this is a charity that distributes Lego sets to kids in hospitals and orphanages and places like that around the world. And so to raise money for them every year, we do a 24-hour live stream. So this is me and another uh, co-host who changes every year, going straight for 24 hours wow. uh, on on camera, battling off sleep <laughs> the whole time, <laughs> just building and chatting with LEGO fans from all around the world. It's super fun. I always enjoy doing it every year. It was our seventh year this year, and we raised $11,000 for Creations That's for amazing. Charity. So that, that money will all go to buy... Lego sets for kids who wouldn't have otherwise had them this year. That is so awesome. And uh, you uh, you actually built this thing that's in front of us. And we'll get into this a little bit later. So if you're on, if you can see what uh, what Josh built in uh, 24 <laughs> hours, it's just a just a few little logos. Uh, Legos takes, what, a couple minutes? Yeah, you know, so I just like whipped that. this thing together in an yeah, afternoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, I want to get back to kind of the beginning of the story for you. So um, when and how did you first get into Legos? I have uh, two older siblings, and they had Lego in the house pretty much before I was even born. And so Lego has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. I so grew you were up... choking on them as a baby, literally. Yes, yeah. yes. Lots of pieces <laughs> chewed on, you know, stepped on, every imaginable interaction you can have with a Lego piece. And so I, I've had it my entire life, just building sets. Uh, a lot of the my favorite themes from when I grew up are the old western um, pirates imperial sets a lot of that really cool stuff from the 90s i i loved playing with growing up and still have a lot of fond memories with today and then i just maintained my interest uh throughout my my whole life as i became a teenager i started getting more involved with the online community and following some of the really talented builders online who post all of their custom creations to different platforms and seeing photos and videos of all the, the crazy stuff that these people were building, I just continued to follow that until uh, I was 15 years old, and that's when the podcast started. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, uh, I started my first podcast at 30, well, what, 36 or something? <laughs> so, I mean, at 15, I was still picking my nose. I mean, what it, what made you say, you know, like, oh, a podcast, I'll, I'll, I'll do a podcast on Legos. I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's quite the idea for a 15-year-old to come up with. <laughs> 
Uh, so back to back to my older siblings I mentioned earlier. They had uh, my two older brothers, my brother John and Nicholas. Uh, John who is still very involved with Beyond the Brick today and does a lot of the work behind the scenes uh, on the channel. So they had a technology podcast around Google News and a lot of technology news. And so they were very familiar with the podcasting world and how podcasts worked and everything and where to post them and that sort of stuff. And so the technology side, uh, they really kind of blazed a trail for me there. And at that point, then I just had to really bring my passion for Lego and for the Lego builders and all of these fascinating creations and builders that are out there to the show. Um, so it was definitely a lot of influence from uh, my older siblings, my brother John especially, who has always uh, been very knowledgeable with more of the technology side and, and kept that side going for us. All right. So uh, I, I want to define a term. You, you keep talking about builders. So uh, define what a builder is and how you become one. Okay. So builder is a very broad term. And if someone just builds um, Lego sets, official sets, you could still call yourself a builder. But when, when I'm talking about builders, I'm usually referencing uh, custom uh, builders who build custom Lego creations, uh, what's called a my own creation or a mock in the Lego community. There's a lot of acronyms. It gets very confusing. <laughs> so that's usually what I'm talking about. And these are people who take official Lego pieces, but then build completely custom creations from their own imagination. So they aren't following instructions at all. And they're just putting these things together as they come up with them in their mind. That was one of my first questions when I walked in here and, and asked you like, okay, I've see, seen this stuff online. Like, do these people just come up with this? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, they do. They just uh, <laughs> take Lego pieces and they create amazing things. Well, what's like the biggest one that you've, uh, you've featured? We've featured some really massive layouts. One of my favorite builds, because I'm really interested in history, is there's a guy who made a 27-foot-long model of the battleship USS Missouri uh, that's still on display, wow. still at Pearl Harbor today, the real ship. And he made a 27-foot uh, model of it out of Lego with uh, lots of sailor minifigures and the turrets and all sorts of details from the ship uh, on display. So those types of, you know, 20, 30 foot long displays like that are always mind blowing. That's amazing. How many pieces would that be approximately? Uh, it gets into the millions of pieces. Wow. It's really hard for builders to keep track because <laughs> they, they'll work on these things over a span of months or even years, and they aren't trying to keep track normally. Yeah. So they usually do some kind of estimate, but it can get in easily into the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pieces when you're doing builds of oh, that size. That's amazing. All right, so so let's backtrack. We, we got a podcast going. You're, you're uh, a teenager. Um, when did this um, become a thing that you started distributing video content on YouTube and labeling it beyond the brick and it's starting to steamroll into an, an actual company. So about six months after we recorded our first uh, audio only podcast episode, uh, John and I went to our first Lego convention, a show called Brick World Chicago uh, that we actually go to every year now and is an amazing show. It's one of the most impressive, biggest Lego shows in the world. Lots of talented builders there. And so we just picked up a camera. John had, like I said earlier, experience with camera and technology side of it. And then I held the mic and did interviews. I had absolutely no experience for that, zero <laughs> qualifications for that. But we thought it'd be fun and thought we'd give it a try. And those videos are actually still out there on wow, YouTube. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, they're awkward. It's it's hard to watch. It's a little cringy. <laughs> but they're still there if people want to go back and find them uh, from 2012. And so we went to that first show, uh, Brick World, and then... Over the next two to three years, we started slowly expanding out to other shows. There's a really big one outside Washington, D.C. called Brick Fair Virginia. So we started going there every year. Um, there's a really big one called BrickCon in Seattle and Washington on the West Coast. 
and just slowly expanded out to some of those other shows and then grew to the point where in 2017, uh, John and I both were able to go full time doing Beyond the Brick as our job. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and in somewhere there, in there, you decided to go to college, too, <laughs> um, at Grace College wh- while you're doing all this as well. So um, tell me how you got connected to Grace and then um, what you studied at Grace and why. My mom actually had gone to Grace uh, when she went to college here, and so growing up, I'd always heard her talk about that, and then I actually, um, both both of my older brothers, John and Nicholas, went here, and then uh, my younger sister, Nicole, as well, so there's five five kids in my family, and four of us went here <laughs> to awesome. Grace, actually, and so I had had a lot of uh, siblings do it, and they were familiar with it. Um, it's not too far from where I live. And so I was able to commute, which helped me save a lot of money, which was something that was important to me as well. And then also uh, I'm super interested in history, knew I wanted to study history and Grace had actually just started an archeology span minor as well. And so as part of that, I was able to to go over to Israel for a month and work on an archeology span dig. Wow. Um, And so I I minored in archeology span and museum studies, which are two of my main passions within uh, the genre of history. So because Grace offered all those things, uh, I knew it would be a really good program here, and I was I was very excited for it. It's really amazing to see how your various passions have, have come together, right? Um, history, archaeology, uh, museums. I mean, like that all it all kind of fits together. Um, so in, you said in 2017, you know, you graduate college, most people go look for a job. You decided to start a company. <laughs> um, so, you know, what do you do? I mean, you, how do you how do you really get started? Obviously, you, you were already had a thing going, but what did you do in those first, say, three months after graduation to really make this and turn this into a business? Uh, so we really started ramping up uh, what shows we could get to and kind of what we thought was possible with the company and looking at especially international shows. Up to that point, we had done very little internationally. Mm. And so once once we realized that we could go full time with it and we had the time as well as we're bringing in enough money through ad revenue on the channel that we'd be able to fund it, we decided to start doing much more international travel. So actually, I'm thinking back on it now. It was like two days after I graduated Grace, um, John and I left for a month-long trip in Europe that had we, – we visited a couple different Lego shows. We met up with a lot of different Lego fans in Germany and the different countries that we were visiting. And so we just like jumped into it right away, wow. right off the bat, once we knew that we had you know the resources and the time to be able to pursue that. That's amazing. So a month of Europe, just hopping around to different places and seeing different builds, and and you now have uh, turned your passion for Legos and travel and history, and you've traveled a lot of places. <laughs> so, um, in fact, all seven seven continents, yes. correct? So that includes the cold one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so tell, tell us about, like, was that a thing? Like, hey, let's go to all seven continents, or did it just happen over time? But your travel and going to each continent, tell us about that. So last year is when we hit all seven continents in one year, and we didn't actually at one first- One year. Yes, in one year. <laughs> we didn't set out to do that right away. We kind of, we were- figuring out what shows we wanted to go to. We knew we were going to Australia for a Lego show last year for the first time. And then we always are going to Europe a couple times a year because that's where Lego is based in Denmark. And so there's a lot of stuff that happens in Europe. So we started looking at our travel schedule. 
and and we also knew we were wanting to go to a show in South America for the first time and realized that you know we're hitting a lot of different places here so uh if while we're in Europe we went down and visited Morocco and Africa and then while we're in South America if we left from Argentina to a trip down to Antarctica then uh we would be able to to make it to all seven continents and then we had a a brief uh stop in China on our way to Australia as well so uh, yeah, it, it just kind of worked out well. We realized that we could make it make it work and go to all of them in one year. <laughs> That's amazing. How much time do you would you say uh, pre COVID <laughs> that you spend um, on the road traveling to various shows? It's usually about six months out of the year between international trips and then all all the shows we do in the U.S. So okay. yeah, it's quite a bit of time uh, traveling. And it depends on the time of year as well. So like winter is a pretty dead time for a lot of Lego shows. So we're, we're home a lot more during the winter. And then during um, like summer and fall, we tend to be a lot busier with traveling. That's when you build the Lego sets. Isn't the <laughs> yes. At least in my household, that's when the, the, the Legos in the last couple of weeks um, have now started to come <laughs> out in full because uh, now it's getting cold and there's nothing else to do at night. For sure, yeah. You know, during the winter, it's a great time to just build as much as you can. And then when the shows start up in the summer, you got lots to display. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, so give me a, a little bit of insight into the Lego community. Like, how would you express um, the community that you've been able to engage with and um, and even bring your faith to? Uh, tell us a little bit about that that community that you're now, you know, a leader in and well-known in uh, around the world. Yeah, so there are Lego fans all around the world, and so you get a lot of different backgrounds in terms of uh, what people bring to their builds. There are doctors, there are artists, there's a lot of engineers, computer science type people that, that do builds, um, but really any possible kind of job and background that you can imagine, uh, and there's someone you know from that background doing Lego builds. And so that means then that the people that we interact with at Lego shows and that we do live streams with online are from uh, many different backgrounds and a lot of different experiences, which to me is what makes uh, doing what we do with YouTube uh, so much fun because you're getting to interact with uh, a lot of really talented, really smart people who are very good at what they do. Not only are very good Lego builders, but also tend, you know, usually very good at whatever their chosen field yeah, <laughs> and yeah. job is as yeah. well. And so it just makes for for really fascinating conversations and just the, the insight that they can bring is really great. And so that to me is is what fuels uh, a lot of what I do. I just love having those those interactions and those conversations with builders as they talk about the inspiration behind a build, uh, whether it was you know something from their childhood or something that a friend suggested or maybe uh, a comic book or whatever it might be and, and how they came about to, to doing the build. Mm -hmm. What is, uh, what are, you know, you got into this uh, Lego thing and what are the, What's the genre you would say that is your genre of expertise within the Lego building field? So it's definitely the historical builds for me. Uh, that's what I'm most drawn to. It's what I have the most kind of knowledge about as well. And there are a lot of historical builders out there, which is super great, um, especially a lot of like military history build builders that will do things from World War II or the Vietnam War, all uh, medieval Napoleonic warfare, whatever yeah. it might be, lots of different uh, time periods. So those builds always catch my eye, and we cover a lot of those, not only because I'm interested in them, but also because that content does really well on YouTube. So that sort of um, military history builds, especially uh, people respond to really well on YouTube and really like watching those. And so we cover them for that reason as well, because we're always, we're always trying to balance it out when we're at a show. You know, there are 
there are builds that are take a lot of talent and are really cool, but we know probably aren't going to do real well on YouTube, but we'll cover them anyway because they're still impressive builds. And then there are the builds, which tend to be things like Star Wars builds or the military history stuff or other things like that that we know, you know, the YouTube algorithm responds really well to. We know viewers really like that, and so we try to cover that as well because that's the stuff that pays the bills for us. <laughs> I just uh, I just ordered three Lego sets last night for my kids, all cars. So you know, my my kids want to check out all the car Lego stuff online. So each has their genre. Yours, you said, was history, which makes sense, right? History major, and and I know you mentioned you're into architecture as well. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you brought with you, um, and uh, tell us just about this build, and and we'll get into it a little bit more. But what do you have here? So this is the brand new Lego Coliseum set. It just released uh, a few days ago now, and I built this throughout the whole 24 hours of the live stream that we talked about earlier in the show. And this is actually the largest Lego set ever released in terms of piece count. So there's over 9,000 pieces in this set, wow. which is just crazy. <laughs> and it's it's about a 25 to 30 hour build. So I finished almost all of it. Uh, on the live stream, but then had a few hours uh, left after we were done that I had to had to finish. Hopefully after it. some sleep. First. Yes. Oh, okay. after a lot of sleep for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a super impressive build, and we actually had the designer of this build join us on the live stream. Wow. So he gave a lot of insight into the history of the Colosseum and kind of as he was working on this build, what he was the different elements of the real building, what he was looking at and how they make design decisions. Like, should they, you know, a lot of people wanted them to make it look like the original building, not sort of like half destroyed like it is today if you visit the Coliseum. So there's a lot of different decisions the designers have to make when they go into that that give you the complete set that you see here today. So give us a few unique insights about the Parthenon and what you learned being a history buff yourself, but what you learned about the Parthenon and its architecture, or just the story itself. The Colosseum here? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's Coliseum. fine. Yeah, it's both famous ancient landmarks. <laughs> it gets confusing. Uh, so one of the most fascinating things uh, about the the old Colosseum is, and it's hard to see here. I'll uh, flip it around. You can see better okay. on yeah. this side. Um, so there are little hooks here on this side. If you can see those, yeah, they run yeah. along. Yep. And so those actually on the real building were used to as kind of like a rope and pulley system that would have large um, cloth overhangs that would come out over the top of it. And so, you know, like how some sports stadiums today have like retractable roofs yes. and that sort of thing. So it was sort of that idea where they had actually sailors from the Roman Navy would man these ropes tied down to the ground and able to pull these big, large cloths in and out. So then they could have shade and just cover over the whole Colosseum. Uh, when they had you know performances or whatever might be going on there. Interesting. Wow. All those small details that you never necessarily know or think of, but probably when you're starting to put something together, you have to figure all of that out. Right. And that's what I love about doing these architecture builds is ah. you get a much better appreciation for a historical landmark or a city skyline uh, when you're putting these builds together because you you start to really think about the way buildings are designed and the way it all comes together. And will you do some custom builds yourself? Um, and do those mostly involve historical architecture type of things? I have done some custom builds in the past. It's been a few years now as as John and I have gotten busier with uh, Beyond the Brick. Sure. I don't do a whole lot of building myself. But yeah, uh, growing up, I did a lot of custom builds and they were always usually something based around history. So either, you know, a uh, uh, ancient Roman fortress or something kind of old Western town um medieval castle stuff so uh, in any of those types of 
time periods, I would usually draw inspiration from um, some World War II, World War I builds as well. Uh, all of that sort of stuff that that I was very interested in, sort of academically, I would I would take that and do some Lego builds with it. That's awesome. I want to ask you a couple of questions uh, that might become sort of advice pieces uh, for us um, uh, and listeners out there. One would be, um, you know, we talked about the Dark Ages. Like some of us haven't built Legos in a long time, uh, but we see something like this and we're like, yeah. Yeah, Legos. That could be fun. I, I should get back into that. Or we have kids who are starting to get into the Lego building phase like like my boys are. What are some good kind of like first steps that you'd say, hey, you know, I'd encourage you to try this or try that or engage here um, if we or our kids are finding interest in Legos? One of the first things I always tell people is, you know, Lego has tons of different themes out there and so if someone's getting into it for the first time if you browse a lego catalog or just go into a store and look at the lego aisle you can usually find a theme that really speaks to you for a lot of people that might be you know star wars or harry potter or something more ip related based on movies or marvel or that sort of thing for other people it might be some of the more original lego themes or the city sets that, that lego has always had the police stations fire stations that sort of thing mm -hmm. so uh, i just always tell people kind of go to what draws your eye in and then also uh, a great theme to start with for, for new builders who are kind of wanting to get used to the Lego system and just kind of see how Lego pieces work and everything is the, the creator sets because those tend to have, you know, really cool ways that parts are used in them. Um, it tends to be a lot of houses and cars and things like that that are, uh, people are very broadly familiar with. And so it's not, it's less of kind of a niche market as well. And then there, there tends to be a lot of creative possibility with that, where sometimes they'll do like create creator three in one sets where you'll buy one set, but then you can build three different things with it. And so it really gives you a lot of possibilities with rebuilding the set into to different things that you can come up with, um, both in the instructions, then in your own imagination. So yeah, I always just say, you know, go to what, what draws you in. And then also if you're looking for just general builds, the creator sets are always a really good place to start. One of the things that, you know, I found fascinating, right? You mentioned this really uh, interesting detail um, uh, about the Coliseum and, and, you know, shade. And I think about my kids who build cars um, and I'm not a car guy, but I could use that as a way to like help teach my kids more about cars themselves and get into the details of the parts, et cetera. And you talked about being a part of the Lego community. So, like, if my kids were like, wow, I'm really into this cars thing of Legos, like, how could they engage in the Lego community? What does that mean, and how do you be a part of it? <laughs> well, that's the great thing about the Lego community, especially at this point, because it's, you know, it's been around enough years, um, and there have been enough time with the Internet that there's kind of a – a niche for everyone now and so there are the websites and the youtube channels dedicated to to lego car building especially a lot of it is the the technic building um so some of the if you've seen the bigger lego cars yes. like the lamborghini and, and that all of those big ones so there are a lot of fans who are super into to those types of builds and will dedicate uh, websites and youtube channels and blogs to to covering those types of builds and customizing it and everything that goes into that and so if that's what you know your big interest is and and your your niche, then you can totally find other people who are into that same thing, 
and interact with them online and start, you know, if you're doing builds, you can share builds and get advice. That's something I always really encourage people to do. I think the Lego community, for the most part, as far as fan communities go, are is really amazing at being encouraging to, to new builders and uh, letting people come in and share their builds and giving good advice on improvement or what they did right, what they did wrong. So I always encourage people to do that. Go out and find, you know, the the fandom, the part of the fandom that you're interested in, and then start sharing your passion with, with other people there and see how you can grow. The other uh, aspect of this I wanted to ask you about was, um, you know, starting a podcast at 15 and your brother had already started one. And obviously you grew up in a family where it was encouraged to try stuff. Um, starting starting a company, you know, a, after you graduate um, college and um, you mentioned being homeschooled and, and having the time, right, mm-hmm. to start a podcast. But there was also had to be some encouragement there to try something new. So um, tell me a little bit about that, like uh, being raised in a home where that was encouraged. Uh, I think of myself with my boys and they're getting closer to that age. Uh, tell us what it was like just to, hey, try stuff. Well, what did that look like? How'd your parents instill that in you? My parents have always been super supportive of not only, you know, beyond the break what John and I've done, but everything that my siblings and I have, have worked on over the years. And they very much fostered kind of an entrepreneurial mindset in us with um, finding ways to, to start businesses and, and make money um, from, from a young age. Uh, and so I think a lot of that definitely uh, went into the, the fact that I felt so comfortable doing this at the age of 15 and just going out. Um, my mom actually, you know, drove us to that first Lego convention in 2012 in Chicago, and she has been our number one supporter <laughs> the entire time. She still watches pretty much all the videos we put out and is a big part of of what we do. So, uh, yeah, they've just been really incredible, both my mom and my dad, in supporting what we do. And um, as long as, you know, they, they also really encourage us to do things like like go to college and, and make sure that... Um, you know, if something happened with with YouTube or with Facebook, uh, then we had kind of that backup plan there as well, which which is also very good advice because these platforms can be you know very fickle and you never know what exactly is going to happen with the internet. So uh, they they really made sure that we always had kind of you know backup plan and uh, other things in mind that we could do, but we're also at the same time super encouraging uh, when we wanted to to try to build businesses and go out on our own and do this. Wow. So you said they fostered that entrepreneurial spirit. Can you give me? Can you dig in there a little bit more and tell me how they fostered that entrepreneurial spirit? Was it for them? Was it more just encouraging you when you had an idea, or were they giving you ideas, or h- how were they going about fostering that spirit in you? Yeah, so it, I would say it was a combination of both. So they would find things. So like growing up, we would do a lot of like buying and reselling of stuff. So gotcha. that was something whether it was on Craigslist or eBay, whatever it might be. And they they would, you know, help me and my siblings uh, identify, you know, oh, look at this really hot product right now. You know, it's really in demand. So you can get a hold of that and then resell and that that sort of thing. Um, so definitely not only encouraging, but giving us ideas and really providing the infrastructure there at home in terms of, like I said, driving us to shows or driving us places if we needed to, to pick something up, um, helping with you know, shipping stuff out, all, all of those different things that go into to running a business uh, of that, that type where you're buying and reselling. So um, it was very much providing the logistics and infrastructure help there along with the encouragement as uh, we would eat, we would have, me and my siblings would have different ideas for, for businesses and things that we wanted to do. That's awesome. 
Well, this has been uh, educational for me um, just to learn more about the Lego world. And I really appreciate it. I've benefited just in some ideas that I can take to my own home with my own kids of how they can engage Legos better. But also, I I love your story of just using your passion um, to bring glory to God um, and figuring out how you can use your passion and make a career out of it and a job out of it. Um, and so really appreciate you taking the, the time to do so. Um, if folks wanted to connect with you or learn more about what you do and how you do it, what would be the best way? I'm sure there are multiple ways, but what are the ways to find Josh? So if you want to connect with uh, Beyond the Brick and just keep up to date with everything we're doing, I always encourage people to go to the, the YouTube channel which is uh, Beyond the Brick. If you just search that on YouTube, then you'll find it. No problem. We also are very active on Facebook, so we share a ton of content over there. Same thing, Beyond the Brick, uh, as well as on Instagram. So those are kind of our, our big three uh, platforms right now. And then we also have our travel. Slash. said right now, folks. So that that, that might be you never yeah, know. So yeah. So that's you know it's always <laughs> always adapting, always keeping up with the latest stuff. That's, that's right. how the internet works. So you've got to do that. And then as far as uh, our travel-related stuff goes, we have a channel called Destinations of History. And so if people want to check out a lot of the cool places we've traveled to and get kind of history slash historical uh, or slash travel advice, then then they can check that channel out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that I've, I've been watching some of that, the travel destination. It's really neat, the places you've been able to go. As somebody who hasn't traveled as much, I'm <laughs> a bit jealous. So thank you again for taking the time to share with us today and just share with our Grace family a little bit more about what's going on with you. Thank you for allowing me to sit down and chat. I always love talking about this and it's fascinating stuff. So it's always a pleasure. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And thanks for listening today to the Grace Story podcast. Music was written and produced by Dr. Wally Brath, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts at Grace College. Thanks to our co-producers, Andrew Palladino and Rick Neer. And if you could do us a huge favor and rate, comment on this podcast, wherever you retrieved it from, we would be so grateful. Until next time, live your best grace story today.